Welcome to the Courage Queen Podcast. I'm your host, Justine Wenzel, entrepreneur, glam girl, and karaoke enthusiast. For over 10 years, I've been teaching women how to become more courageous by pressing into fear so they can step into their purpose. Whether it's me at the microphone solo or I'm sharing the stage with incredible guests, I'm committed to bringing you the best while sharing the truth that will set us all free. Time to wake up and stop giving fear all the power. I'm bringing tangible tips for more peace and authenticity while simultaneously giving you an ab workout as we weave in comedic flair. So buckle up because it's time to live your best life. Hey there, podcast family. It is Justine. I'm coming back to you after a holiday weekend, 4th of July, and I hope that you had an incredible time celebrating with family, just really having those moments to not only unplug, but focus on what is most important, you know, have that rest and rejuvenation that we all need. And one of my absolute favorite things about holidays like this or long weekends like this more than the others is I love being detached from my phone. So I love being detached from social media, really just giving myself that time to feel energized and feel that inner joy and know where that comes from and what that is all about. I'm really looking forward to jumping into today's episode with you. It's been on my heart now for probably a couple weeks. I feel like the Lord has kind of been ruminating it a little bit all over the place. And it's kind of controversial in terms of something that we all hear. And I want to challenge it because I feel that it is getting to the point where this message is kind of being blown out of proportion. And I have to say that me personally, I've written this message. I've put it in an Instagram post. And I had to sit back over the past couple weeks in preparation for this message and really think to myself, what does that actually mean? When you say the words, you are enough, we are picking up on this idea that we're enough or you are enough is central to this culture of self-love. And so kind of the logic goes that because you are complete perfect, you're sufficient on your own. You don't need anyone else to love you to be content. All you need is yourself. And it kind of starts to spiral for me a little bit out of control because I can see the total appeal of this thinking. And it's true that we obsess over other people's approval and acceptance. But the problem is is that we become really distracted and detached from things that truly matter. You know, like All the things that we were experiencing this weekend, our family, our friendships, our careers, instead of fulfilling our roles well, we're always stuck focusing on what roles other people have and how they're fulfilling them. We shouldn't fully depend on other people for our happiness or allow their approval to define us, but we have to acknowledge those things because it feels like right now we are trying to comfort ourselves with this well-known mantra of I am enough. And because I am enough, we tell ourselves this, all I need is just to love myself and I'll be secure and successful and everything will go perfectly well for me of the best life. But here's the thing. Self-love is not a new concept. So our sufficiency is not the answer to our insecurity. Like, have you seen any improvement in this? Self-love is not the anecdote. Um, to our feelings of self-loathing, self-deprecating, 
And I think that when we leave God out of it, we realize very quickly that we think that self-love is really what it's all about. So I want to kind of pick this apart a little bit because I was just on Instagram this week and I was sharing a little bit about how my orchid, so I'll just kind of tell you the story if you hadn't heard this. I was kind of telling the story about how I had this orchid that was in my house and it was given to me as a gift probably almost two years ago now. And the first year, the orchid bloomed beautifully when it was given to me. I was like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely beautiful. I love fresh flowers. I used to work for my sister in her um, florist and boutique shop down in Richmond, Virginia. So I love flowers and I've always just had this interest in the stages of flowers and starting out as seeds and growing their roots strong and and not even flowers, but trees, anything like that. I love the similarities between how things grow in general and how it can relate to us as human beings. So when talking about the stages of flowers and when they bloom, I was sharing this story about how my orchid had not bloomed in two years and the leaves were getting like really big and green. It looks like it was healthy, but there was no colorful flowers coming about. And I was talking to my neighbor who is like, has an incredible green thumb. She has plants all over her house. You can see them all through the windows. And she came over for a drink and we were sitting by the bonfire and we were talking about how things bloom and how to grow certain things and what you need to do. And it was fascinating to me because that's just not something that comes naturally to me. And I was telling her about the orchid and I'm like, the orchid has not bloomed. Like, what's the deal? Like, it's in, you know, the partial sunlight or whatever it needs to be. And I was talking to her about that. And she said, have you ever tried changing the environment? Have you tried moving the orchid to a different room or a different window? Now, that kind of seems silly to me because I was like, well, it's always been there and it bloomed the first time in this window. So if it did it once, wouldn't just do it again. Like, would the environment not matter, especially since I had seen it bloom in that window the first year? But you know what? I was curious. I kind of felt silly because I hadn't tried or even thought to move it to another room before. Like, why didn't I think of that? It's so silly. But I immediately that night moved the orchid to my front porch. And it gets super warm up there because it's a screened-in porch. And it actually does not get as much sunlight, I didn't think. But um, I just was like, let's see what happens. Who knows? It hasn't bloomed in two years. It's probably not going to do anything. And that can really be our attitude for so many things in life. Like, well, they haven't changed, so they're never going to. And that's kind of how I was envisioning and talking myself through switching the orchid to a different environment. But she shared this idea of switching and putting the orchid in a different environment in order to grow. And that really spoke to me. I started thinking about that. I was journaling about that over the coming next weeks as I, you know, did put a couple ice cubes in the orchid um, over time every few days. And I was kind of monitoring it and making sure it had everything that it needed and then just like left it alone. And one day I walked out of my porch and I saw that the orchid was blooming. And I was incredibly excited. I was actually kind of caught off guard because I really did not think that it would bloom. And of course, so much of this has to do with timing and when they actually bloom seasonally and and all that kind of stuff and temperature and, and all that. But 
I did not find it really odd at all, the timing. Because when you change the environment, you have a change of perspective. And when you change the perspective, you have an opportunity to see something grow again. Hope is reborn again. So when a flower doesn't bloom, you don't fix the flower. You fix the environment in which it grows. And for me, where I realize this is when you have to change your mindset, your beliefs around this, when you're challenged, that's not a bad thing. That's a great opportunity to grow. And where these flowers bloom, so does hope. And I kind of felt like in those moments, hope was reborn for me too. As I'm in a place in my life where I'm looking to make some changes and I'm wanting to grow with you guys, of course, and we're in this together. And we're just making decisions that are going to benefit our future self. I look at what my life is going to look like and how it will change now that I went through a period and a season of healing. And when I think about self-love, I've experienced that healing is not an isolated experience. It spills out onto everything around it. It can't help but overflow into every area of your life. So to love yourself, it's allowing God to be where God already is. It's allowing God to love what he already loves. And it's putting yourself in a situation where you are allowing yourself to love what God deemed lovable at the very beginning. Self-love can be a spiritual practice, but it's how you join in on what God is doing. It's how you keep discovering who you are, what and who God is and what he's doing. And there's so much hope and expectation in that. But I think so many times we get caught up in whether we're enough or not. And we join that together with self-love is the answer. It's the solution to the problem. You know all the answers. Look within yourself. And I'm not saying that to a certain extent that that's not true. But I think we have to be very careful to what extent we are letting that seep in to everything. Because year after year, people are more disappointed and more lonely than ever. We know that social media plays a big part in this when we feel disconnected in those moments from reality of really how we feel and how to ask for healing and how to walk through those steps of healing. We're looking for that self-love mantra as the key to unlock this inner answer, like the treasure box for talent and success of our living our best life. But it seems like every single time that we try that, the code changes. We think that crystals are the answer. We think that meditation is the answer. We think that purging our closet is the answer. We think that being in our best bikini bod or being on a killer keto diet, that's the answer. We think that listening to an incredible podcast, that that must be the answer. We think that all these things are leading us to our truest self to help give us the best life. And truthfully, I think we're addicted to it. We are addicted to all the things that we are doing to better our life. We're thinking that it's the game-changing moment. But those moments are fleeting. We end up being disappointed more often than not. We do all the things. We take the yoga classes. We take our personality tests. We're obsessed with the Enneagram. We are breathing in all the oils. We're doing meal prepping. We're doing everything possible to prep ourselves 
thinking that self-love and our obsession with that is truly going to make us happy. We're going to find ourselves. We're looking for something to convince us that we're enough. But here's the thing. As the incredible Allie Bath Stuckley puts it in her book, You're Not Enough and That's Okay, she basically says, you're not enough. I'm not enough and that's okay. And her book gets into some of the answers as to why we feel so much self-doubt, insecurity. We don't see that God's solutions can be better. I'm so glad that I can constantly be challenged myself so that I could understand that I serve a God that is sufficient, that is enough so that I don't have to be, that increases my confidence, that can be my guide, that can give me a sense of purpose and fulfillment. And I want to be one of those voices that dismantles the lies of a very toxic culture and I want to replace it with God's truth. Because there are so many of these as I've been digging into them, so many of these mantras, so many of these things that you hear that are damaging us. And Allie talks about these in her book, and I'm just going to name the five of them. And then I just hope and pray that you would dig into her message and her book as it would show you the promises that self-sufficiency is not the answer. And so much of this, I realize now that I've learned the hard way because I've set myself up for disappointment and failure when I've adopted the ways of the world. I don't want to have empty hope. I want to have a satisfied hope that I can place in God. So these mantras are, you are enough. You determine your truth. You're perfect the way you are. You're entitled to your dreams. And you can't love others until you love yourself. And again, you might be like, Justine, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. But I got to tell you, after years and years of listening to these popular messages, I think God gives you more than you can handle so that you can depend on him. And there's so many of these things that we take into the wrong context and we hear people stand on a podium and say, you know, you're enough. You just need to love yourself. Everything will be fine. But hopefully you're getting to the point now where you realize it's a lot deeper than that. Why do we have this addiction that these better life mantras that we binge over and over again are going to be the solution to every single problem? It's not reality. And you see it all the time in articles and magazines and podcasts and posts and all these different areas where women are specifically conditioned to believe that their bodies are their self-worth. We've seen a wellness culture that has taught us to believe that fueling your body, detoxing, dieting, and relying on crystals for healing is the way to totally change our entire trajectory of our life. I've experienced this personally, and so This is only from my personal experience, but I will tell you that I realized healing, whether mental, physical, it's not a quick fix. By tapping into that inner power, I was not enough to heal myself. God healed me. It wasn't the natural remedies and changing my eating. Of course, all those things could help in making me a healthier person. 
There were things that I had intuition about that I felt like God was speaking to me in order to help carry on the process of healing. We've got to get over this defensiveness and delusion that we use to bury rejection, loneliness, and this fear of insufficiency. I think that we're fueling this addiction. We think that we're just going to take this time to focus on ourselves, whether we're going through a breakup or a transition. God's not always going to make you sit in sadness to heal you. And if you're somebody like me who has a lack of patience and you feel like it's going to hurt too much to sit in that because we're obsessed with instant gratification and Amazon Prime and quick relief, I'm so grateful that I was talking to somebody who pointed me back to God's truth and his word. It's about surrender. And none of these times in my life was I enough to handle the rejection, the depression that I felt, the anxiety on a day-to-day basis coping with what had happened to me as a child and trying to work through that. And I know that we're all trying to answer these questions. Like, who are we? What is our purpose? What are these values of mine? And and what, you know, we're obsessed with, like, living our truth and speaking our truth. But we're basically making ourselves an idol. We're giving ourselves the authority to define who we are, why we're here, and inevitably where we're going to end up. By trying to have this obsession of control. So today I want to leave you with a thought. We need to stop telling people that the highest goals in life are to feel good and to love ourselves. These are unsatisfying and they don't last forever. There's a time frame on it. There will be times in our lives where we're going to feel bad. We're going to feel sad about our situation. And we will honestly look at ourselves and find ourselves unlovable. And in those moments, we have to have a grounding and a hope that's bigger than ourselves. So I think that that's just important to remember in general. Join into what God is already doing so that the safety and security and the sufficiency that you are looking for can actually be fulfilled. So I need you to know that self-love is dependent on yourself and your ever-wavering opinions and strength. But God's love for you is dependent on his unwavering love and his unfailing promises. Because self-love puts the burden for freedom from shame and self-hate on you. When Jesus already ultimately took that burden away, God loved you in your brokenness, in your rebellion, in all of it, and he died in your place anyway. If we believe the messages that we're not loving ourselves enough and that we have to work on self-love, then our struggles are therefore because we are incapable of loving ourselves enough. If we believe those messages... We are the ones responsible for our pain, but we could let go of that responsibility and accept the work 
that we're already loved unconditionally, that we have a source greater than ourselves that gives us love, freedom, and joy. Believe me, God is capable of loving you better than you could ever love yourself anyway. All right, guys, I hope you have a great week and that this really brings you to a moment of reflection where you can ask yourself some of these questions. Like, what does self-love mean to me? Where am I putting my hope and my trust? Do I feel like I have to love myself more? I think that it opens up opportunity to discovering more of who God is. And I wish that for all of you, no matter where you are at in your journey. All right, guys, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you loved it, would you send it to a friend who could be encouraged? Or share it on social and tag me so I can personally thank you for sharing the sweet sauce. For more episodes, check out and subscribe to Courage Queen Podcast, where we share fresh perspectives and stories of people who have the guts to be vulnerable and grow through what they go through. You can also join the conversation on Instagram at Courage Queen Pod. As always, thanks for being here. Courage starts with showing up. 